0: So what are some of the lessons that the healthcare sector can learn from some of the major cyber attacks we've been seeing? I'm Marianne Kobusak-McGee, Executive Editor of Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Steve Moore, VP and Chief Security Strategist at Exabeam. Steve was formerly a VP at Anthem. Steve will be discussing some of the lessons he learned while assisting Health Plan Anthem during its response and remediation of the insurer's massive 2015 cyber attack, which impacted nearly 80 million individuals, as well as other lessons that he thinks could be helpful to other healthcare entities. So now, Steve, tell us a little bit about what your role was at Anthem and tell us a little bit about some of the work you did there during the response and remediation of the 2015 cyber attack. And what are the most important lessons that you learned during that process that you think could be of help to other healthcare sector organizations?
1: My last position before joining Exabeam. Uh, At Anthem was staff vice president of cybersecurity analytics. Uh, That's a position that grew and evolved over time. Responsible for the security operations center, uh, responsible for threat intelligence, threat hunting, incident response, and adversary simulation. So a variety of frameworks all kind of coming together to uh, support a common mission. That's kind of what I was responsible for when I left. Uh, Obviously now at Examine, helping them and clients moving in that same space. Lessons learned, things that, that we can do and do better and just observations, one of the things I think that happens that's interesting, when, when a breach or a large event happens, it's sort of like when the aliens arrive in a movie. Everyone sort of stops looking at one another, and they look at one common goal and threat. So in a way, it's chaotic, but it's also sort of peaceful. So let me explain. There's a lot of things where people sort of freak out, just like an alien analogy, where the biggest thing I think that leaders can do in healthcare or in any space, first off, is keeping people calm understanding that comfort and confidence is key. And before the breach, I think you have to go through and look. One of the things I directly did is we had conscripts and that may not be the most popular term, but we ran people through our program and trained them up. They might have an interest in information security. We might want to mentor them. And so it just so happened that that sort of good deed and that good program building element, you know, staffing's a challenge for us. Staffing's a challenge for everyone. When the breach hit, we were spread thin We all had to attack different things, and we we brought in those conscripts and really filled out our ranks quickly. So that's I think the first thing that I think is sort of a lessons learned. We weren't planning on having a breach when we had one, but I think that that action, that human action, keeping people calm and then pulling in those folks to assist because of all the other things that we had to do, like getting in and and everyone gets pulled up, everyone gets pulled up in the organization. You're meeting with clients, you're meeting with auditors, you're meeting with lawyers. Uh, you're leading a breach investigation, so your resources will be quickly depleted. So I think that's the first thing that I would share in terms of the lessons learned. That's kind of the, the first thing out of the shoot that I would share.
0: So, Steve, with that said, what other areas of data security do you think healthcare sector organizations and perhaps their vendors are not paying enough attention to that could get them into trouble or is getting them into trouble, and what can they do to address those issues?
1: In healthcare, it's often commonplace for the organization to focus on the core competency, whether that's assisting members or quality of care, whatever that is, and then sort of outsourcing the rest. That brings on a lot of sometimes unnecessary third-party risk. And it's amazing to me how many organizations that I speak with that cannot quickly articulate where their data lives. Simple question. So let's say you're an organization and you have 100 people that you do business with, third parties. Many organizations can't even tell you if it's 95 or 105. And I certainly can't tell you the data type. And then you get down the rabbit hole of, okay, what do I do when my bad day comes? Let's pretend we have a hybrid incident where it's attacking your company and my company and we do business together. How do we jointly respond and how do we how do we respond well for the benefit of both our organizations and our constituents? So that's unnecessary third party risk. Where's your data? I think that's a big thing. And then the other thing I think that we're faced with that we continue to sort of miss, and it's amazing how often we see this, uh, is just the use of stolen credentials. So the the theft, either through malware or phishing or some maybe loose management of the credential itself, and then its use to attack us, to, to aid in lateral movement. And once that kind of thing happens, it's very dangerous, very hard to track sort of that lateral movement from an analytic standpoint to know how far did the bad person get in. So when we have things like remote access, or we have things like cloud solutions that don't support strong authentication, even when we have desktop malware, those credentials are stolen and reused. And I see that that because of the limited resources and sometimes lack of focus on healthcare, that those sort of hit us hardest and and first, and then we lack the analytics to kind of go back and and see uh, how bad that it impact us, or even if we may even be ignorant to it, completely out of the gate.
0: So now, Steve, in the Anthem case, what's been widely reported, I guess, is that it started with a phishing attack and that, again, you know, the use of credentials were used to get into the system. Any advice, you know, based on what you saw for others to do, take extra steps or to be taking some effective strategy in terms of protecting credentials so that they're not used in this way or bolstering their access controls in general?
1: When an event happens, uh, and it will happen for, for all of us in, in some way, shape, or form, three things happen. Well, you either already have or it's sort of forced upon you the notion of need visibility, you need some way to sort of make sense of that data to analyze it, and you need to then respond. And so as an organization, I challenge not just CISOs, but CIOs and their boards to say, how well poised are we in the market to be able to, amongst our peers, to see things that are going on in our environment, to make sense of them and then to respond when we have a problem. That's really important. I think that we often miss, you know, we, we invest in a lot of tech, but we don't look back and say, okay, how do I fare in each of those categories? And then how does my maybe outsourcing or that third party notion affect that? Whether that's additional risk, do I have my data someplace where I can't see it, where I can't respond? Related to the credential, again, so use or misuse of that credential, you have to again plan that either I'm going to work toward this and get investment or I'm going to have it forced upon me sort of helplessly. Credentials, anything that you're using in an environment that's only username and password, can and will be stolen and reused, whether it's inside or outside your... So you need to put a lot of emphasis on that. If there's situations where you're using that, understand, again, FTP, SSH, even APIs from an AppSec perspective, that needs to really be tightened down. And that's really a a frail area. The last piece I'll say that's sort of free in a way, if you're using a proxy tool, go through so something that's governing outbound access to the internet from the user network. Start looking very closely at that information. Even if you lack a lot of extra money, start looking at that information, block uncategorized sites. So you pay them to maybe differentiate between business sites and sporting sites and things like that. If it's uncategorized, look at that information and block it. Most of the new malware domains you mentioned phishing earlier are young domains, and they're generally not categorized. And that's sort of a free, actionable item that you can take that'll clean up and reduce a lot of that that threat from clicking on those links.
0: And Steve, as you look at some of the other trends that have been happening this year and even last year with ransomware attacks and then this year we have had the wanna cries and the non, not petches. Anything else that you think that healthcare entities and other organizations in the healthcare sector in general should be learning from these attacks that perhaps they're missing right now?
1: Yes, I think that predictions are always fun, and we still have, we're in a situation on the healthcare side that there's still a lot of old flaws to fix. But if we're looking forward, I think as, as we look to maybe opportunistic or maybe even targeted attack, you have to follow the money. So in speaking of ransomware or even destructionware, like we saw, that's going to advance. So the, the resources will fund new development, just like in successful companies. And so those added resources, I believe, will add to instead of a singular infection, you'll have an infection and then a the lateral spread. We're already seeing some elements of that today. Automation, sort of think of it at a high level of a ransomware uh, event that then spreads. I hesitate to use the word worm, but it's, a, it's an automated notion that goes with that, similar to worm's behavior of, of days past. So I think what that does is if you have a soft organization, again, that maybe lacks some investment, you are going to have a greater and a more severe when that occurs. So instead of getting fished a thousand times and having 200 people click the link, or maybe even getting attacked and having it spread through some website, it's going to come in and it's going to hit not only your user network, but probably your data center as well. That's an issue. So we want to really look at that. And if you don't have any money and you don't have the staffing, uh, you have to come to the realization that we have to start thinking about email as a business process and not a messaging system mm-hmm. And how do we govern that? So what are we allowing to process through there? Uh, Is there anything we strip out uh, that we need to govern differently? Oh, and one more thing, the use of macros. So look at the way that within Word and Excel primarily, your organization uses macros. Does it require a prompt before it'll execute a macro? We're seeing a lot of activity there in the ransomware space. So if you can change the way that your security model operates around macros, that's another tactical thing that you can get into That's, you know, grab a smart engineer, a smart desktop admin and start working on that. That will buy you a lot of a, a lot of at least headache medicine or maybe some prevention.
0: And finally, Steve, as we look ahead to 2018, any predictions that you have about some of the cybersecurity challenges that the healthcare sector might face next year? And how do you think this year is going to end up?
1: I think we continue to see much of what we've, what we've witnessed already. Again, as, as mentioned before, you're, you're going to start seeing, I think, an uptick in crypto ransomware. I think that we're going to see more activity. There's markets out there where credentials are are bought and sold in the in the dark web, and you know there were some clinics and some organizations uh, that I won't name that got hit. That I know that you know remote access was purchased, and adversaries got into that environment, and those credentials were used, and to get in and move about the inside of the network. And it was never known because it was a good credential that was just used by a bad person, and so. We have to be very conscious about that. I think that, that that's becoming, even that example, shifting from of medical information to then extortion of the executives. So I think that needs to be something in the back of the minds of those that run any kind of business. If I'm that soft, other details about me as an individual or me as an organization that may drop out, I would expect to see some of that. Other interesting items, you know, we're seeing pacemaker patching. And, and that's, uh, that's something that's been talked about. We, we know that that uh, medical device security is big. Some of the reports I read early that, that's, that they believe that, that could be, you could be attacked from upwards of even 100 feet away. And that's the piece that sort of who would have thought. They think that there's actionable, you know, an adversary could attack that way. So when you have 450,000 people that have that, we know that patching on IT systems is slow, sometimes slow. How slow would it be on a pacemaker? And what's it like to flash the firmware of, of something that's next to your heart? What's the success rate? So it's going to be an interesting year for us in this space, but I think it's more the same on the ransomware. Focus on the credential. I think we're going to start seeing a lot more interest on the um, medical device side.
0: Thanks, Steve. I've been speaking to Steve Moore. I'm Marianne kolbusak mcgee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.